The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hey, this is Matt Landra, the voice of Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars The Clone Wars. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars. This is where the fun begins. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 123. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Ciolana, a.k.a. The Bendu, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Today, we are taking a dive into the Disney Plus Kenobi series finale, part six. And joining the conversation today is our very own old Ben, Mike Creevy. Hello, Mike. Wait for it. And hello there. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And also joining us is Mike Dens. Hello. Hello. I'll try to do my best Darth Vader to your old Ben (laughs) as we go along. (laughs) Well, it's a panel of mics today and um, we're speaking into mics. And just to add to the chaos, my confirmation name is Michael. Nice. Um, But we'll do our best. Uh, (laughs) We'll have a lot of fun. I know it'll be a great episode this time around. Um, So before we kind of dive in here, um, let's do our synopsis so we can all refresh our memories about everything that was in this fabulous episode. Um, So we began at Moss Eisley, right? As the former Grand Inquisitor Reva was threateningly inquiring about a farmer named Owen. Meanwhile, in space... Darth Vader's Star Destroyer aggressively pursued Roken's transport, traveling to Tessin, which is suffering from a uh, bad motivator. And Obi-Wan plans to face Vader, but the passengers, Roken and Leia, all protest the plan. Obi-Wan tells Leia goodbye and gives her Tala's blaster holder, and he convinces Haja to look after her. On Tatooine... Owen and Luke return to their homestead with plans to flee, but Beru convinces her husband that they should stand and fight, retrieving hidden blasters. Luke is instructed that they're in danger from Tusken Raiders. Obi-Wan leaves the transport and Vader's ship pursues him to some sort of rocky moon or planet where the two face off in an epic battle, which of course we will discuss juxtaposed as well by uh, Reva's fight against the Lars family on Tatooine. Luke runs off and she pursues him, knocking him to the ground unconscious, and she interiorly battles her desire for revenge. Meanwhile, after a back-and-forth lightsaber and force-floating rock battle, Obi-Wan cuts open Vader's helmet and apologizes to Anakin. He leaves the injured Darth and after sensing that Luke is in danger, hurries to Tatooine. There he finds Owen and Lars looking for Luke. Soon after, Reva appears over the horizon, carrying Luke back to his adopted family 
and Obi-Wan counsels her in her anguish. At Vader's fortress on Mustafar, we watch as Vader assures Darth Sidious via holocall that Kenobi means nothing to him and pledges his service only to his new master. On Alderaan, Princess Leia is safe again with her family and is reunited with Lola and Obi-Wan, who reveals to her a bit more about her parents and instructs her to keep their relationship secret because of possible danger to either of them. Finally, back on Tatooine where it all began, Obi-Wan tells Owen that he and Beru are all that Luke needs. He briefly meets young Luke for the very first time and then rides off into the desert where he encounters the vision of his old master, Qui-Gon, who beckons him to follow him off into the sunset and scene and cue a big theme music. Right. So, okay, guys, tell me about your first impressions of this finale. C or D? All right. C or <laughs> you go D. Ahead. Yeah. Oh, D. Okay. <laughs> you go ahead. Um, yeah. I, I thought was, you were giving it a grade. I was yeah, like, no, wow, no, no, okay, no. I'm like Mike C it. or Mike D, but I'll just go. Um, yeah, I was out of breath. I was so excited. Uh, I immediately, my daughter kept me up um, until three uh, Eastern time, and wow. I watched it. I've never done that before, but it was so worth it. Uh, so I, yeah. And, and, and I was just like, the, I think the, the first thing that I was upset about is I knew there was nobody I could talk to about it. Cause you know, I, I, no one else had seen it except the people who just watched it. Like I did. So there was no talking to you guys, uh, <laughs> no one to Facebook page, nothing. Um, and I just wanted to see what other people thought of it. Um, it was, it was very much reminiscent and, and I'll explain this in a moment, um, of the end of return of the Jedi when I had to deal with sitting through Ewoks so I could get back to the battle in the sky <laughs> and in the Death Star between Luke and Vader. Um, I didn't really enjoy the Tatooine scenes all that much. I mean, it was curious to see what might happen, knowing that R Reva is the only one who could possibly die. Um, well, I knew that obviously Vader and uh, Obi-Wan couldn't die either, but wow, just there was we could just spend the whole show and on, on the <laughs> duel and I'm sure we will. So I was just so pleased There were, I had to write down immediately all the things that were answered through the, the mm. action and the dialogue, mm -hmm. um, to just kind of tying up different loose ends and giving a real purpose to, uh, the, the series through that episode. So yeah, I, I was really excited. Yeah. I mean, same here. Um, I, I've seen, so I was able to watch, the whole episode actually uh, three times. I was able to watch the whole thing three times, which is pretty rare. Usually I try to get it like a second viewing in before we do our show. Um, but not so not only have I seen it three times, but I've watched that the uh, not the not the whole fight, but the exchange between Obi-Wan and, and Anakin slash Vader three or four times beyond that. I just keep mm -hmm. going back to, cause there's just, and I just, so I'm excited for when we get to that part. Cause there's just, <laughs> I, there's things in that, that I never knew I wanted to see. Right. Um, things that I, any concerns I had about, um, I don't know. Yeah. I guess concerns I might've had about possible, um, plot holes or possible problematic stuff with the canon, And, um, that's pretty much just all, all faded away there's a few things i'm still wondering about but um uh, i'm gonna want to probably in the next week i think watch a new hope um 
to kind of see how certain things play out or just right. to, you know, see how that fills in. Um, and I'll just throw this out there right up front. My, and, and we'll get to more of the details later, but my biggest hang up this whole time, which I've mentioned in several shows, namely the whole like, but what about bail? <laughs> you know, and like, obviously now there's all these like, you know, all the way up to the emperor himself who just flat out know that when there's trouble, bail contacts Obi-Wan. Um, I, I'm pretty okay with that. And, um, and I'll say why probably a little later. So I, I, I felt it tied it up nice and neatly and, uh, I got my hello there <laughs> that I've been waiting for. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, that was so yeah. satisfying for so many mm-hmm. of us. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say for my first impression, it just, it felt like a movie. Um, yeah. it felt like I was watching a star Wars movie and it had all the classic elements, you know, like the battles, the stakes. I mean, even though there were certain characters we know wouldn't make it out in the end, at the same time, I felt like there still were stakes in terms of, especially at the beginning with um, the people that were being transported by Roken, um, what was going to happen to them, you know, um, and were they going to be found out by the Grand Inquisitor and, and all that. So um, for me, that was plenty of stakes. Um, and then also just, you know, how is how are the young Skywalkers going to be impressed by all of these experiences? So, um, yeah, heroes, villains, emotional, interior struggle, spiritual themes. I mean, it really had it all Mm -hmm. um, in my mind, except maybe aliens. Maybe we could have had a couple more aliens. But (laughs) (laughs) but um, but, you know, speaking of all those themes, I I really want to kind of kick off our discussion here with um, an excerpt from some listener feedback that we received um, from Alex, who is writing from Shropshire, England. Um, And Alex's family has recently suffered a very difficult challenge and found um, this series to be a great answer um, that has helped Alex through that journey. So I'd like to kind of read a little bit from that email. Alex says, I found myself relating in a very strong way to Obi-Wan in episode one, watching him carry out his day with the drudgery of one still reeling from a near fatal blow really resonated with me. I understood the jealous guarding of emotions, the wailing off uh, from any connection, the walling off from any connection with others, and the desperate prayers in the dark that seemed to fall on deaf ears. Obi-Wan's life was like the lament of the psalmist. I have become like a pelican in the wilderness, like an owl in desolate places. I was gripped by how much his guilt and obsession with the past prevented him from seeing beyond the moment. He lived one sad minute after another, only to wake up and repeat the cycle again the next day. And Alex says, by episode three, I realized that this entire series was an examination of the virtue of hope. When one is in the depths of hopelessness, confidence is a distant memory, and the world is viewed through the lens of doubt and fear. It is only through moving from one's own failures, perceived or not, to exploring the possibilities of the future that moves one ever so slightly from despair to hope. And um, Alex says that the small step of connecting with another person is a way back from despair. As the episodes progressed, the hope grew in Obi-Wan's heart. I believe his reaching out to the force in a desperate attempt to save Leia was the turning point in his life. Alex also says, by the end of the series, 
Obi-Wan has finally accepted the loss of Anakin as well as the Jedi Knight he, Obi-Wan, once was. It is only when he releases Luke to be raised by his family and leaves him to the care and keeping of the Force that Obi-Wan can finally see his master, his master who was with him for 10 painful years. Qui-Gon Jinn was not absent. He was obscured by Obi-Wan's despair. One aspect of the series that really has helped me is my knowledge of who Obi-Wan will become. He will not always be a faltering lost man lacking self-confidence and courage. One day, he will be a great Jedi master who will guide a young Luke Skywalker to his destiny. Happily, he will also reconcile with Anakin, and love, understanding, and forgiveness will conquer the pain, loss, and betrayal that has so conquered, controlled both their lives. And so, you know, I, I really want to say thank you, Alex, for that amazing yeah. feedback and for sharing your experience of how this series has helped you personally. And, you know, um, as we, the hosts or, or the panel, were kind of talking before the recording that, you know, we also um, have some of those things in our lives as well. And, you know, of course, there are some things that are very personal that we're just not going to share on a podcast. But it's great to know that we can all pull those things from this amazing series. That's why we have this podcast. Um, so, guys, I kind of want to throw it to you, um, first of all, with this idea of the series being a study on the virtue of hope. Um, did you pick up on that theme as well? And if so, what did you see in the story or in the character development um, that, you know, has really kind of, um, resonated that theme with you. I think, um, I wasn't expecting to have this pop in there, but, um, in episode seven, uh, in, in the movies that is, in um, in the force awakens when they're at the table talking to Maz Kanata and her castle. And I thought there was a really interesting thing she brings up. That's just so contextual for like, all of Star Wars <laughs> when they have her talk about that, you know, saying to Han, like, you know, you've been running away from this fight, you know, and there's this discussion about like the fight, you know, and what, what fight is she talking about? She's like the only one, <laughs> you know, like the light versus the dark, you know, this, that this is, doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter where you are in the timeline. doesn't matter if you're a Jedi, if you're a smuggler, if you're an orphan, you know, scrapper, if you're, you know, um, whoever you know uh, a wookie <laughs> whatever the case that you know you have this as we all do this this you know grappling with the light and the dark in us and um and i love from a catholic perspective you know i teach on eschatology a lot and one thing i continue to meditate on a lot because it comes up all the time is that it's it's you know the church is grappling with the last things and, and thinking about sin and death you know death judgment heaven hell purgatory that it's it's fundamentally kind of rooted in this this meditation on the virtue of hope and how if we what I always teach my students is we always have this kind of scale, you know, or this this spectrum, you know, where there's a lot the church says about all those things. But I think what it really oftentimes boils down to in our own journey is to avoid the extremes of despair or presumption, you know, and so we always come back to that where, you know, if you just sort of presume everything's all hunky-dory and everything's just going to be fine. That's more like optimism, and that's not really what hope is. Um, 
and it very often lets you down um, and it keeps you off your guard, quite frankly, you know, because you just sort of blindly go through just pretending that all the darkness isn't there uh, or that, every, you know, everything's just going to be fine for you no matter what you do. And that's not true. But also, you know, I think maybe the more dangerous extreme even a little bit is that despair. Um, nothing could ever get better. It's always going to be like this. It's pretty much over, you know, that attitude. Um, and so long story short, I, I, I think I think she's right. And um, the last thing I would say is just I was really captivated by that moment when he's holding back those stones, you know, from crushing him, that incredibly um, kind of profoundly, um, what's what I'm looking for? It's like a huge metaphor for him, right? Like that's that moment he's literally about to be crushed by all of it. And it was so brilliant how he's thinking it's all those internal thoughts. It's all the darkness. It's all the failure. It's the Anakin, 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 the past. And it's right. I think she's right. The moment is that switch where he's thinking about the present and the future, <laughs> you know, um, about the kids, right? About Leia, about, about Luke, about everything that, that Anakin and Padme meant to him is now in these kids, you know, and that's, it's amazing how that's just this light, like he said earlier, like the light flipping on the light, you know, how, it, how it feels when you turn the light on in the darkness. So I just, I thought I really thought I just brought it all together. And that's just what I would comment on. I think it's, it's, it's neat that, and and I really, you know, it's, I'm not always looking for these, these meanings and, and, and this depth. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, non-Star Wars fans would, would laugh, you know, okay. Yeah. Your, your deep Star Wars stuff. Uh, but you have, you know, if we're going to see, and, and the Christian themes are dripping in, in Star Wars and we could talk an awful lot about that, but here you have a child who uh, dresses in white. Um, she's a princess and uh, she's his strength. Uh, and she just keeps on you know, wearing on him in a sense of, you know, uh, she's the hope, you know, and, and she is kind of that hidden hope in those, you know, when we hear a new hope as uh, the first star Wars, we're often always thinking of Luke and we kind of forget about Leia. Um, and really, uh, Luke would just still be farming somewhere if it weren't for Leia. I mean, she's the uh, impetus that does everything for him. And, uh, you know, whether it's the the one who got him off of Tatooine or the one who probably, you know, led him to stay, uh, whether he knew it was his sister or not. Um, but, yeah, so so Obi-Wan has this hope. And uh, and and when I teach and I'm, I'm a catechist, uh, you know, I, I'm an adult faith formation director at a parish. And uh, when I teach about hope, I teach that it's it's trust. You know, uh, our, our world has taken hope and turned it into wishing. You know, I hope I win the lottery or I, I hope my football team wins. And that's, you know, whether it's the optimism you were talking about, Mike, or whether it's just, um, you know, wishing. But we think of trusting and an Obi-Wan begins to trust in the future or hope in the future that, oh, wait a minute, you know all the best. And he tells Leia the very, you know, he spelled out for us all the best of those two who are gone. Um, and they're all gone. I mean, you know, the, every, every, you know, Padme, Anakin, uh, Qui-Gon, they're all gone. He's left Yoda. Who knows where he is, you know? Um, but now he sees the best of them in Leia, you know, and, and maybe, you know, as he starts to get to know Luke, he sees it in Luke too. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a great insight, and uh, it's I, it couldn't not be more obvious now that it's kind of been spelled out for uh, a dumb guy like me. 
<laughs> no, no, absolutely. I think it exactly what you're saying. Um, trust. I see that so much in Obi-Wan's like almost converted self, um, you know, sort of after maybe it's, I guess the midway point of, of the series where he does save Leia um, is that he starts to trust people more. I think really like after he meets Tala and they go through the path and all that is when he really, his, his trust in people is reestablished because even when they're kind of wandering around that planet, you know, he's like, Oh, you know, Haja just lied to us and told us we were, there was somebody who was supposed to come here and, you know, you can't trust anybody. But by this finale, we see him telling Roken, like, hey, there need to be more leaders out there and people follow you. So keep going, keep doing what you're doing. And he sees Haja and he's like, hey, I trust you to get Leia to where she's supposed to be. And, you know, he tells even Leia, like, well, you're 10 years old, but you're not always going to be. So here's this holster, right? Like he's kind of planting that seed and he's trusting that she's going to become something amazing, like a, a leader when she gets older. And, you know, even going to Owen and, and Baru and saying, you're enough. Like, I trust you to take care of Luke. Um, that was totally a shift from this guy who was like living with all these burdens on his shoulders. I mean, if you think about where he was in the beginning, he was basically in a situation where he was blaming himself for Anakin's fall and seeing what Vader was doing to the galaxy, right? And believing that that was all because of his failure and that being caught up in the past and caught up in one's own failures is where you fall into despair, right? Um, that's, I think we see Vader, Anakin, very consumed by his past, obviously, but also in the idea of winning. Like if I was writing down the, the dialogue from um, that lightsaber battle, and he talks about winning, like in almost every line in some form or fashion. Like for example, that is why you lose. Did you think you could really defeat me? You have failed. Like it's all about winning or losing. And Vader is totally obsessed with winning. And when you're doing that, you're blind to everything else, right? Like, and I think it was Obi-Wan in Under Those Rocks that he was like, you know, we saw he had this, these thoughts of like how he had failed and Anakin's voice just like ringing through his, his, the mind, you know, mind's eye or whatever. And it wasn't until he thought about, as you were saying, the present, the future that he snapped out of that and he had hope. So absolutely. I totally see that. Um, I also, I mean, what other, did you see any other themes? I mean, do you want to just talk about how cool the lightsaber battle was? Like what else, what else did you pull from that battle? Because I know it was such an amazing thing to watch, but there was so much more in that. 
the, the, the first thing I noticed was it, it seemed like they had Ralph McCrory stills like yeah. for a moment here and there that when he first got off the, you saw the back of Vader and you could see it. And I'm just like, is that a painting? Yeah. I don't yeah. know how they, I don't know if they just CGI it just enough to give you that hint. And then the, um, like the, the pullback from the long profile with the woods behind, uh, Obi-Wan and Vader coming from a ship was another Ralph McCrory kind of stylized shot. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's, you know, I mean, it's funny. We, we, you know, there's criticisms of the post Lucas, you know, filming and, and whether, you know, the, 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 the sequels versus, you know, the old guard doing Mandalorian and stuff like that. But this, that was, that was about as old school as you can get. And no one's ever done that. That was, that was really cool. Um, so I, you know, I like that. And and then they started out by by rehashing the same lines that they did their first battle with, which was like really <laughs> like sharp. That was just like, and it fit. I mean, it was just wow. I, I love that. Well, I just I love how differently the style is, and it's something I, I I'm I regret that I haven't yet had a chance to talk to Thomas. You know, from his sort of like sword fighting yeah. <laughs> sort of st- uh, standpoint, but the I, I love how. It's well, and it's it's we've all seen the meme so many times that has that clip of Lucas like saying, you know, it's like poetry. It rhymes. But like it really does. Like it, it's it's not just rehashing the old thing. I loved how there were a few little moves, you know, that came through and they weren't exactly the same, but a few little moves that were echoes of that flashback training scene. Um, when Like the back to back thing, like and it was just so there were so many cool things like that. And I think my favorite thing from the whole that whole sequence was just how powerful Obi-Wan is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Angela, but just because like, you know, and Mike, I don't know who your favorite character is, but you know, <laughs> Angela and I've shared quite a few times on the show that our, ours is both Obi-Wan. I'm just like sitting there, just jaw like on the floor, like, Oh, like I never, especially as I've been watching this season where I've kind of been like, well, you know, he's, he's getting up there and you know, like not up there, but, but he's, he's on his way to being this, more seasoned Jedi, like he's he's not in his prime. But I'm just thinking, like, I never saw him do that in the prequels. <laughs> like goodness gracious! And I think it was really. I, I just personally really think it was important. You know, we've seen such a powerful Vader. You know, we all love the Rogue One scene. Like that was such a game changer. And then like you've seen things show up in Rebels, and and you know, there's been this ridiculous awesome like fleshing out of vader's power that like you never see anything like that in the original movies you know and so as much as i love that there's been moments where i'm like well are we are we overdoing it because that like while it's cool to watch the originals with this i the this attitude of like oh my gosh i know he can do so much more at what point do you start going well then like why isn't he you know is it a Mm -hmm. disconnect so it was really cool for me to see like him just getting his butt kicked like he's (laughs) he's doing plenty of damage yeah. But just getting crushed like he when he hits Luke with all that machinery and Empire Strikes Back. The idea of like, well, like 13, you know, 12, 13 years before that happened, he had that happen to him with rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like there's just so many things that I think are, are, you know, not just copycatting, but just really flesh out the, the broader story more. And I, I just I really thought that aspect of the fight itself was really cool. Uh, yeah, I I don't. I'm a big Vader fan. Obviously, not the evil. You know, I mean, I'm not like Ooh, evil. You know, <laughs> but I just think he's like when you, if you're a fan of villains, you know, he mm-hmm. is uh, for me like the coolest. Uh, 
I remember being little and being like, he's breathing and talking at the same time. That's so cool. <laughs> the breath doesn't stop and he's still talking. I just thought that was so neat. Um, but uh, I, I, I think that the best way to explain it, and, and I don't, this isn't anything official that I've ever heard, uh, because it is weird. Like you have Rogue One and he, and he does that kick butt, you know, going through those guys like butter um, and toying with them. And then when you have the beginning of a new hope, it's like, yes, send the squad in, you know, I've had, let's <laughs> just let them take them out. And then, um, and he is pretty, you know, um, bad with that. Uh, the captain with Antilles mm-hmm. choking him like physically and throwing him and everything like that. So then you wonder like, well, what, what, why was he being light on Obi-Wan later on in the, in the movie? Um, you know, did he, you know, just different things. I think the battle with Luke at the end of Empire was, you know, kind of sufficient. But I, I think that, and this is, you know, my theory, uh, the good started creeping back in him. The hatred, the, the rage, the, I have a son. Uh, he's out there. You know, he knows who he is. He knows it's Luke Skywalker, Skywalker, he, you know. Um, and And that starts to, you know, uh, there's that moment in Jedi when, uh, he throws his saber and you're sitting there and he's at, before he throws a saber at Luke at the awning and Luke jumps up and he goes, Luke's like, I can feel the conflict, you know, Mm -hmm. Vader's having trouble, right? Being being (laughs) enraged at his son who he technically doesn't really want to hurt, you know? Um, and that's ultimately, you know, you could say why he loses. Was Luke ever as powerful as Obi-Wan and Vader? I don't think so. You know, did he? become that powerful later on but he wasn't like that in jedi i think it was more like vader lost um and you know vader didn't want to win uh so yeah but i mean it doesn't cover up all the holes but i think it might help explain it a little bit um but yeah i mean there's uh the 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 seeing obi-wan i mean i think the 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 big one you know as we're jumping around this battle is when all those stones just raised up around him mm-hmm. that was just like uh there were a lot of other shows, you know, I mean, my, my daughter and I were like, he's earthbending. He's, uh, he's like, um, 11 and stranger things. I'm like, I don't know. I think 11 is not nearly as powerful, you know, but just that, just that, that thing where I like, I can just raise all these rocks and just start shooting them at you. And it was all Vader could do to keep them from totally, you know, but the, the best move is, is just, spinning vader around and going after his chest plate like that i mean that's like oh, what yeah. everybody's always like go after the yeah, chest plate the I bet that is probably a weak point i mean it's all lit up it's right there for you, you know? yeah and he went after that like boom 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 and then you can hear him start to have trouble breathing and yeah. that was when that's when it really turned when like oh he got the chest plate this is not going well like well like o- obi-wan force pushed darth vader like 30 yards twice yeah, twice yeah <laughs> like, like the first the, the second one at least he caught up but the first yeah. one he went right into it and that oh, you've man. never seen vader get force pushed no it's like right. he you know and uh that was a a, a um a video i watched on uh it's kind of like when when you see two two different like football teams or whatever, and one just seems to be matched up well against the other, uh, Vader gets too enraged uh, and mm-hmm. too. I mean, I know I just said the opposite with Luke, but he, he he's not focused. He's right. not his calm, collected. I can beat Riva without even igniting my lightsaber. I can just right. you know. Where with Obi Wan, he's like ah, he you can hear him yelling and he's and he's swinging and uh, yeah, he um, just seemed to have trouble. 
uh, containing uh, his 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 rage, and it, and it it messed him up. It's it's kind of like um we're, what we were talking about earlier is his his insistence on winning, and he I think he thought he could he possibly won when he toppled all those rocks on top of Obi Wan, but then when Obi Wan came back, um it was it completely threw him off. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so I didn't win after all. I didn't beat him after all. I didn't prove myself after all. And my master is still the master and and I'm still the learner. And that really kind of like grinds at his gears, you know. Um, and And also we have that great moment we've got to talk about where we have this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Between Anakin and Obi-Wan through the mask in a way, um, well, with half of it almost yeah. off. And we had that in Rebels between yeah. um, Ahsoka and Anakin. But to get this live action version yeah. and to hear the voice, you know, of Hayden Christensen with the, um, oh, that was... the <laughs> you know, voice generated you know situation going on at the same time and kind of sometimes not and it's on and off that was amazing and it really was you know i heard a lot of people say give give ewan mcgregor the the oscar right now for this for this scene (laughs) but it was very emotional i thought christensen's performance was the best uh he he i mean here he is he has to work with half a face that's got a lot of makeup on it um, but his eyes, his smile, that, that, that was evil. Oh my gosh. You, you really, for the, for the, the, more than ever before you were like, okay, Anakin's Vader. Yeah. This is, this is, I see them both there. I hear the voices together and I can really, you know, cause when, when he went, he said something along the lines of, you know, um, you're not the one Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan was in Vader's voice. And it was, mm. it was harkening right back to any time that Vader would say Obi-Wan in the original movies. Mm-hmm. And it was preceded just before then by the prequels, Anakin's voice. And it was just like, did you see too, like his, his eye changing? Like sometimes it was normal. Sometimes it was the red Sith mm-hmm. kind of eye. And, and like, he's, he's very vulnerable. And like, there's this, right. this like moment of like calm and they're having this, like Obi-Wan's still trying this heart to heart and, and, you know, you don't know where it's going to go. And his face is suddenly mostly lit blue. Mm-hmm. And then that line that just like, I mean, it's still like, I kept watching it's like the hair going up on my neck. Cause like how he, how he, like you said, Mike, like how he turns it into that really just creepy, evil smile. Like, like as he's like, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not your failure. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. And like this, yeah. this like, there's like this deliciousness he delivers mm-hmm. it with. And it's yeah. like, it's still it like, because I feel like, you know, we know how his story ends. We're so like, oh, the redemption. Sometimes you, I think I even like read that back in, like when he's walking down the street and snapping the kid's neck and stuff. And I'm like, oh, is that a little too much? I'm like, no, not now. It's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. like he's really evil. Like he's the most evil. Like he's the thing you are afraid is under your bed. You know, yeah. like he's like the yeah. symbol of all that is, you know, he is Palpatine's greatest victory, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I just feel like he, I don't know. I never imagined, like I said, like things I didn't think I'd ever see, you know? Um, and, and I think, think about, oh, yeah, oh, right, so, so, no, you finish your thought. 
Well, no, and I think we'll get to it more later. So I don't want to, but, but just like a little preview of like how then that, how we get to that kind of wrapping up a little more at the end with that, that little checking in with home base, so to speak that he does. Um, because I, I think that that really closes up some stuff earlier in the season about, um, I think most of us are probably thinking about how's this going to do this series? How's this going to sort of j- help us journey through Obi-Wan's arc, mm-hmm. kind of where he was versus where he gets to and, and how do we end the season where he's at? I don't think I expected quite the same thing with Vader. Right. That this, I really feel like through this series, you see the change yeah. from the really impetuous Hayden, you know, like when he charges in at Riva, like when I think I said in episode, whatever that was for, it just felt weird seeing like Vader storming around because I'm like, but he doesn't, I'm not used to seeing him do that. I'm used to seeing Hayden do that. Mm. And it was so brilliant because it's like, oh, yeah, well, there you go. And now there's like this. We're moving in the direction of that more kind of confident, definitely brutal. But like he doesn't have to make a big fuss about it. He can just do these evil things and stay calm about it like he did in the originals. And I think that finally makes sense. Yeah, there's a calmness about Vader that makes him cool. That makes him like calculating and sinister. The way he, we, we talked about this on the earlier episode, how he, uh, Ozzel got strangled through the, you know, through the intercom <laughs> and he's not even moving. He's not doing a finger thing, nothing. And he's actually talking to Piet while he's strangling. That's Ozzel my favorite. With, I hate to say favorite because, but, but it's like, it is. I love it's, the look on Piet's face. Like he's like, like, cause he's looking this over is like, good. this a, is scary as hell. Yeah, he's like, my this boss is, is being killed. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. I'm listening. You know, like, <laughs> Should we help him? Probably not. Okay. It's so good. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's great. He's as clumsy as he is stupid. It's, 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 it's classic vader but so you wonder like well where did this you know crazy uh emotional uh anakin go and and it just you know i think a big thing with what uh we had with the talking with palpatine where palpatine's like you know you're this obsessed and then he's kind of it's almost like vader took a deep breath like he's always doing obviously Mm -hmm. and it's like okay no i'm just going to serve you and you get more back to the cold and calculating Mm -hmm. uh and not the 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 way he was fighting, you, you, that was like Anakin Skywalker's moves. The 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 movement, the 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 nimbleness, the athleticism. You never saw Vader act that way. It was like right. You know, we can clearly see about all the different alterations of his suit we hear about in different novels that apparently was his like his athletic version yeah. <laughs> of his suit with the way he was able to move. And there was even you know the, this one point where he's holding his lightsaber like a bat. Yeah. And he's twirling his fingers like he's flexing, you know, I mean, right. that's just not a Vader move. He doesn't right. do that. And but he's all like, I, I mean, I know you can't see me and the people in this podcast can't see me doing it. But there's this is that one point when he's doing it. But uh, to go back to his admission that he's the one who killed Anakin, mm. uh, there's he loses something there. And the first thing that struck me is, OK, now now he's taking the blame and he's kind of letting Obi-Wan off the hook. Why would he want to do that? Um, but it's it's like he is fully accepted and embraced yeah, the he's evil person he's yeah. come. And I'm going and, and it'll hurt him even more mm-hmm. to know that, you know, I'm not mad at you for what you did to me. I did it. This right. is my creation. I'm this evil and I'm proud of it. It reminded me a little bit. It's different, but it reminded me a little bit of the complexity with Crosshair and Bad Batch mm-hmm. where, you know, they're going through the whole time. Like if we could just get his inhibitor chip out, he'll be fine. There's something else that's making Crosshair be like this. And then when he's like that big, like, you know, sort of 
mic drop moment where he's like, I took my chip out a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and they're like, what? Whoa. You know, and just this like, ouch, like, what do you do with this now? You know, so, yeah, I think that it's it's I think it's a, it's more three dimensional. You know, it's not right as just obvious. You know, you know as what you, it is you know. for me is it's two sided because it is Anakin owning his choice. But that also, at the same time, it doesn't do what he wants it to do for Obi-Wan. Because what he wants to do is hurt Obi-Wan more. But what Obi-Wan has been suffering from is this feeling that everything was his fault. And it was all because of his own failure to teach Anakin, to guide Anakin the way that he should have. Um, And then to hear Anakin say that, it was like a freedom. It was like oh, so, yeah, so it wasn't all me. It was Anakin's choice to do this. And once you realize that, you know, once you realize that that people choose to do things, like, and that you're not responsible directly, like, ultimately for their choice, like we have some responsibility to each other, right? Like that's kind of part of our Catholic faith, right? Mm -hmm. Is that we um, are in community with each other and we're body. But at the same time, like ultimately we have freedom to choose. And this idea that Obi-Wan was finally freed from the feeling of it all being entirely his fault That to me was when Obi-Wan accepted himself, like Mm. fully accepted his vocation to be himself. Like, who am I really now called to be? He felt very directionless. Like even when he was in the desert, like it was like, yeah, I know why I'm here. But he didn't feel like a a man with a purpose. You know what I'm saying? Um, But once this all happened, it was like very clear, like Obi-Wan knows who he is and what he's supposed, like what his place is in the galaxy now Um, to go back and to, you know, do all the things that we just talked about, you know, allowing uh, Baru and Owen the, you know, the freedom to raise the son the way that they want to raise him. And, and to be free of any kind of like, you know, meddling from or expectations from Obi-Wan and the Jedi and whatever. It's really, that's what it's about to me is it's about like vocation and humility versus like expectations of who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do, right? They're, those are two different things. Like to accept who I am and what I'm called to do versus like, oh, I'm just supposed to do this. I'm just doing this because this is what everybody says I'm supposed to do or everybody expects me to do. Um, So to me, that was a big theme that I also saw. Which is, I think, kind of how Anakin did the Jedi thing. Right. (laughs) Too. And couldn't get beyond that and, you know, really take that ownership. Yeah. Yeah, it's, It's interesting. I mean, it's a common trope of the... Uh, you know, my protege is, you know, evil, my, you know, or my, my child left the church or is a sinner or whatever. And it's not, you know, the, this, this guilt, like, what did I do wrong? How did I fail them? You know, whether it's real life or a trope in a movie and, and what, what Vader did for Obi-Wan is what we're all like shouting at the screen. Like, it's not your fault. It's the bad guy's fault. I mean, he's the one who 
chose the dark side. It's not because of you. It's in spite of you, you know, um, but when you're the actual person who, uh, you know, you feel responsible, it, it's hard to get outside yourself and, 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 and realize that. Well, and I think too, like he's, he can, and we, this is like Angela said earlier, cause there, there's some, there's some things I can point to in my own life here that I, I'm not going to, but, but I think <laughs> just in general, um, we all, and if you haven't, you will, you know, we, we, we have, these these moments where especially if you lose somebody that you were very close to uh, where you know you go through all these different phases with it these different you know struggles but then um i know in my own life there's these moments where it's like you you realize without you know having thought about it consciously and there's like this this realization where you've been trying to quote move on as if you could ever really cut yourself off from that person, you know, mm -hmm. and you can't, you know, it's, it's just impossible because something of who and what you are is just in, in absolutely inseparable from that, that person. And what's amazing is it's, you can't change that, but, but to, the, the way you can go through acceptance of that and, and how to move forward. And I think what's so amazing is there's, there, this is not about him leaving Anakin behind like, oh, okay, well, you know, it is what it is. He made his choice. No, it's maybe arguably more terrible and heartbreaking than ever before. Because remember, he thought he was dead this whole time, first of all. <laughs> then he finds out he's not dead. Right. He's out there murdering people, and he's so, it's so much worse than I ever imagined. But but that he's letting go of this, like you said, too, like this, this guilt, putting it on himself as if Anakin's choices are ultimately Obi-Wan's responsibility and they're not so yeah I, I love that that idea of that that resolution there's still this pain that pain's never going to go away but he can continue to sort of now uh, take these next steps take ownership for his part of it you know but not get that conflated and mixed up before you know and i think it's interesting because then if you go back and watch as i did before we started tonight just those scenes like where when luke asks obi-wan what happened to his father you know, and then when they catch up after Yoda dies and Luke's like, hey, remember what you told me? <laughs> it's like, let's talk about this. And that was that was really neat to watch those scenes and try to, like, read into it a little bit. You know, Alec Guinness, who, of course, never knew these details, of course, because they're recently invented for the story. Mm -hmm. But you you can really have some fun with that and sort of see him. How does he in his force ghost sort of process it? How's he been? you know, going with it and the whole, like he's more machine now than man thing. And I thought that was brilliant to kind of give us seeds of that again, by having the, the dual voice and the mechanics and, and all that. It's just, he's this mixed up, you know, twisted and evil twisted. Yeah. It was just, it was so good. One of the things that is just real quick, um, weird to me when I, well, before this finale, when I would watch a new hope, is when Darth Vader and Obi-Wan battled that Obi-Wan never called him Darth Vader or Vader or Anakin, but would mm -hmm. call him Darth. Darth, yeah. And I was always like, that's weird. <laughs> because I have all this backstory, you know, right. with them. And so you get this finale, and at the end of their conversation, Obi-Wan calls him Darth. Goodbye, Darth. I think and they it's needed like, that. <laughs> it's like, okay, he's accepting what the present reality is. It's like, mm -hmm. this is someone who has chosen darkness. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm stepping away from that now. You know, I mean, that was such a, a powerful moment, but it also explained something that always bothered me <laughs> in A New Hope. Yeah. And you could take it further if you want to, although he refers to him as Vader when he's talking out like not to Vader, but to Luke or something. Um, he only refers to him as Darth, which is kind of a generic, you know, there's Darth Sidious, there's mm-hmm. other Darths, Darth Maul. So you're just another Darth. Mm. You know, I'm not going to give you the Darth Vader grand title right. that you were given by. I'm just going to because he saw that he that was on the, the screen, you know, when they were him and Yoda were looking at the uh, the security footage, you know, uh, of what happened. And I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to give you the generic, you know, demon, uh, evil, whatever, you know, the the, the stupid titles yeah. that you Sith give each other. Um, so, I mean, there might be something to that. Uh, it might have just been the way Alec Guinness decided to say it uh, or <laughs> Lucas wanted him to say it. But you could look at it that way. Uh, and that's because I, I was thinking about it. Like, why not just call him Vader? Um, well, because, you know, Darth is just more generic and, and more and, and not as as grand. That's a, and that reminded me of um, uh, something Peter Kraft, um has mentioned a couple times in some lectures and some books. And uh, it's just interesting. And I think it ties into Star Wars so well, this this um part of the deception that the enemy throws at us and certainly you know palpatine within the star wars context does of of this this false idea that if you're one of the good guys you know if, if you pursue the path of light or in our case you know if, if you're trying to you know live the life of a saint you know that's going to be drab and boring and uniform and rigid and uninteresting and it's it's exactly the opposite it's, you know, the saints are the ones who are vibrant and unique and no two of them are the same, like different glass pieces of glass in the stained glass window, you know, so radiant and unique and rich and different and unified at the same time. It's it's the great tyrants who are all one trick ponies. You know, they're all identical. You know, there's not really a difference between Mao and Hitler and, you know, Pol Pot and um, Saddam Hussein, like, you know, people you think of from history. And that's, you know all of vader's desire to be this like iconic figure yeah he's scary but so was maul he just didn't get the influence you know sidious is really pulling the strings but he's just kind of more of the same you know it's so i think that's a, a neat idea there too of that you know you're just one more of you know yeah, this and- twisted sort of you know playing out i want to also mention the and we've we've touched on this before just because it was cool that they had real lightsabers, but the way that in the filming of it, they could use the lightsabers as actual lighting of the shot, which is brilliant. And you get an awful lot of great um, Ewan McGregor hair in front of his face, (laughs) shadowing his face kind of shots that are really like just kind of neat and almost like, yeah, that's what it would be like. You wouldn't be all like perfect. Like you you would be kind of scruffy and, and things are flying and, and there's the one shot where you see the crossblades in Vader's eye, which was just, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also the overhead shots that with mm-hmm. these long yeah. trees and everything, they had some like overhead shots of the two of them fighting, which was almost like video game ask, you know, uh, but much better uh, that, that I enjoyed seeing. Um, I, I wanted to make sure I didn't forget about that, but uh, we were talking a little bit about some things that got explained. Um, and I always wondered how did, how did Vader get struck in the head? Cause that didn't happen in his battle with Obi-Wan on Mustafar. Um, was there another thing? And they, they 
explained it. You know, he got hit in the head and the helmet took most of the blow, but there was still a good gash there that was there in Return of the Jedi. So that was uh, interesting. We already kind of talked about how, uh, you know, who killed Darth Vader or who killed Anakin? Well, Mm -hmm. Darth Vader did. He told me so, you know. Um, So he, you know, it kind of gave more credence to that, that weird explanation he gave Luke in in A New Hope. Um, And and also the, you know, um, basically Obi-Wan losing hope in, Mm -hmm. you know, his hopes now in Leia and Luke. It's no longer in, in, in Anakin. Uh, and so he can say that, you know, Obi-Wan once thought as you do to, mm-hmm. to Luke yeah. uh, uh, down on Endor, you know, um, and, and you know, Vader knew it. It was interesting that Vader, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, that Vader, you know, Obi-Wan once thought that I was good <laughs> and I convinced him otherwise, um, you know, so it, it all that that stuff tying together is nice. I'm just laughing, Mike, because I just one quick other thing, because I was thinking back to the especially Luke and Obi-Wan on Dagobah after, after Yoda dies and when like Luke criticizing him and you could, you can almost go back and have, you know, Obi-Wan stance and like, you know, when he's like certain point of view and like they're having that whole argument, he's like, look, your father told me that he killed Anakin Skywalker. I'm just telling you what he told me. Um, But I just, before I forget this kind of looping back with Angela, I just want to throw in there. If I may, I, when you said at the beginning about the movie quality of it, um, that's one thing I said to to my wife. It's I don't know if criticism is the right word. Certainly not of this episode, but I said like the whole like the show in general. Um, I definitely think I wouldn't want to cut anything from it, but I, I think some of my initial like as we were going through it, some of the things that I was like, I don't really know. I I think because it's not episodic like Mandalorian, and Mandalorian of course has its big plot, sure. but I just think you know Mandalorian is still my personal favorite kind of live action star wars show i think because it's so good at that you know and for other reasons but like where you have these like like each episode does have its own kind of thing but you know there's a bigger thing going on and this really isn't like that so it did feel much more like a like a made for tv movie and i would love to see it like when you guys recommended you and father you know had said about the kind of binge watching some of it or rewatching episodes, you know, one through five before this, I did end up doing that. And that really, um, helped a lot. So mm-hmm. I, for, for any listeners out there, I would just recommend that if, if you get a chance and you get like three and a half or four hours or whatever, I mean, it was a long block, but if you can split it half and half or something, but try to try to do like a pretty tight watch through it, it really did, you know, open some stuff up and, and I thought connected it a lot more. It's interesting how they, you know, they used to call this a space opera, mm-hmm. um, you know, and because it all connects and and we get a lot more of that kind of cliffhanger serial kind of uh, TV now that we can have things on Netflix mm-hmm. or Amazon Prime or, or Disney Plus or whatever, where you could just kind of watch what essentially would be a really long movie yeah. all at once, as opposed to the stuff I grew up with in the 80s and stuff where, you know. Um, there was sure Dukes of Hazard had like, you know, a following, you know, everything. They never changed their shirts, but you <laughs> still had a, a, a show with a beginning and ending in each episode. You know, I'm joking. Dukes of Hazard's a horrible example, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you would have certain things that would develop, you mm-hmm. know, like in Cheers, you know, Sam and Diane, you know, had a right. relationship. But every mm-hmm. episode also had its its own story that right. was going on that was entertaining for that night. You didn't have to wait till next week. Where, yeah, you're right, this this definitely had more of the, well, that was cool, but boy, it's it's, it's really not individual stories as much mm-hmm. as it's a whole big thing. 
You know, something that I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about was Reva's ending um, in this in this um, series and finale. Um, You know, I think it was a little bit predictable that she had this sort of like interior conflict, right? Of like, what do I do? And we knew that nothing was going to happen to Luke, really. Um, I was curious, like, well, how are they going to deal with him not? seeing a lightsaber before and, you know, um, just believing this is the Tuscan Raiders and, you know, how, how he blocked it all out. out. It was a psycho. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, they, they handled it, you know, I mean, it was fairly believable. Um, but the thing that I really appreciated was seeing her coming back and speaking with Obi-Wan, you know, and, and really talking about how, um, she was grieving. Like, I think she was finally grieving those that she lost. Um, her fellow, you know, um, Padawans in a way that, that was, um, a little more healthy <laughs> than the way that she had been dealing with that before. But this idea that, um, she thought that, that she had failed them by not, uh, by not getting vengeance and mm-hmm. ultimately Obi-Wan. I love that line, that beautiful line. You haven't failed them by showing mercy. You have given them peace. You have honored them. Um, just so powerful and so simple in that moment. And then um, have I become him? No, you have chosen not to. Who you become now is up to you. I really felt like he was saying that to her, but he was also saying that to himself. The only thing I would I would just add because that's that's pretty much sums up better <laughs> anything I could say. But I just I I kind of assumed there would probably be a redemption thing for her. That was my guess. I was leaning that direction. Uh, I would have been okay either way, you know, because it's because there can it's a tricky thing because we all want that or just in general in Star Wars, you know. But like, is it too predictable? Because I know there's all these debates online, of course, now I don't really follow them, but I, I catch wind of them. And, and you know, our, of course, our listeners, you know, whatever your take is on it, that's totally up to you. And then we, of course, want to hear that. But um, but I, I, would, I didn't really have a like a way I wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. But um, I did want to share with you guys because I don't I never expected this. Like, well, I'll say this. I didn't expect a complete open like I thought maybe she would somehow do something to save Luke or like, like she would die, but it would, uh, it would be a redemptive death because I just was sort of like in general, like, well, I mean, you can't have anyone who knows who he is mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. So that surprised me that she didn't, that she, you know, left the path she was on and didn't die. And they very, and they didn't even give us like, I was waiting for an end credits scene or something, nothing. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that's interesting because clearly they have plans to do something with this character. So that's one thing that was cool. And then just as that hit my mind, I had this crazy idea of what I'd love. And I haven't seen this yet online anywhere. Mm-hmm. I have had this crazy desire of who I hope, what I hope she does. And I don't think it's going to come true. But I was really hoping that she would actually be that like female Tuscan <laughs> in Book of Boba Fett. Because the timeline would would work and i'm still like with father roderick his original take on that's that episode from way back when that like we we didn't actually see her or the kid's body when all that carnage played out it was it was the the chieftain and then you saw the the bodies in general but they didn't specifically show the two of them and i still don't believe they died Hmm. so i don't know that's just my 
That's really interesting. That would be kind of cool. You know, and the idea, too, of like, you know, oh, the Tuscans are coming, Luke, which was what they'd tell him. But I I just wondered, is that like a little hint? Like, that's never crossed my mind till that moment. I was just like, dude, that would be interesting. (laughs) No, I the the one the the problem I had with with the whole thing, there was a little bit of a problem with was it really convenient that where he fought Vader was a quick light speed jump to back to Tatooine? (laughs) Because he really kind of finished off with Vader. Got back in his ship and found out cool. he was yeah. needed. Zoomed back out there. <laughs> I was just like, oh, wow, that that didn't seem to take any time at all. Um, but which I think a lot of people are having trouble with her understanding. She got a broken up message of Bale saying that he will get, you know, the children and I'll go to Tantooine. I mean, and suddenly she connects that. Well, this child is valuable to Vader. So what am I missing? Well, he said it, Owen, didn't you? Angela, I think you mentioned that, didn't you, last time? If he, um, what Bill said was essentially about um, if he finds out about, if he, if he has found out about the child or he has discovered the, something like that. Like, in other words, like, if he has learned about the, oh, the, children. the children, then I must go... And then something, something, and then like Owen. Yeah, Owen will need help with the boy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Remember, she had she had had that confrontation with Owen in the first episode, knew his name. Right. I guess it's just because there's no one else named Owen on Tatooine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's a very uncommon name. (laughs) We don't know. Um, But well, well, Skywalker apparently is super common. Right. (laughs) But that's a whole other issue. Um, I guess it's she had to presume a few things. Presume one that he is Vader, that is he found out. And, and that's mm-hmm. not too far of a stretch, but that this boy is, is precious to him mm-hmm. and not something he wants to destroy. You know, sure. so she was presuming that she would be getting revenge against Anakin if oh, she right. killed Luke. Right. Why? You know, oh, there yeah. is, why is he valuable to her? Because just as well, like, oh, children must be his son. You know, that's, Oh, it's I a see, jump yeah. that's a big thing and, and to presume that. So I thought that was, you know, a little weak. You know, sure. I, I wish mm-hmm. it would have been like more obvious that he'll he'll find his son on Tantooine. I mean, just right. give it to us in a yeah. simple way. Um, the other thing, too, is and this is one of the I, I wish I would have gotten a you're my only hope from Leia to mm-hmm. be one somewhere in there. But that's OK. But um, the one thing that's not really tied up is is Obi-Wan's actual death. Um, the only one who seemed to care is Luke. Uh, Leia just saw her childhood savior get struck down by Vader and she's just kind of like, let's get going, you know, and she's no, she you know, yells. She yells. She yells she ye- no. After Obi-Wan dies. I went I back, back and I watched it. Oh, did you? Yeah, because okay. I was I was wondering the same thing. So hmm. I went back and watched it and she oh, yells, I have to no! watch. like she screams. OK, well, I think Dom pointed out that she. Her whole planet got completely destroyed. She's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, and one more person. Yeah, no one left. I guess I'll attach myself to this farm boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's the shock. In, in this yeah, we'll give her. We'll there. give her the shock. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll take her to those two uh, under advice that she said no and and everything. Um, yeah. Well, that that was that was the last thing, and and also, um, and I don't know anything about him, but apparently Andrew Staten has. Uh, when he's tied to one of these episodes, the the dialogue and the writing seems to be much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I've only heard people with. talk about him that that Andrew Stanton is one mm-hmm. of the writers, and he was in this last episode. 
Well, I, my thing was, as I said before, the bail thing. And, and long story short, I just, because the last sort of like firing up of that in me was when it's like, hey, let's like go out on the completely open to everybody who would ever look at it landing pad with two guards and here comes <laughs> Obi-Wan. And I was like, guys, like what, you know? And then I thought, well, hold on. Because then like Vader's exchange with Palpatine and he's like, we're going to go, you know, burn the whole place down. Like, I'm going to you know, mm-hmm. leave no stone unturned. And I loved, I, I wrote down Palpatine as a mentor in my notebook, because one <laughs> thing I did think was like, isn't it interesting? Here's this like guy who's basically like the devil incarnate in Star Wars. <laughs> and he's not entirely wrong. Yeah. From a methodological standpoint, right. he's like, you seem agitated, my friend. You know, like, just like, you know, like any, like, you know, why don't good, you take like, a week off? Right, like, a good, like a good wife, a good husband, a good teacher. Like, Mike, why, why are you so upset about this? You know, and it's just so, because what was interesting to me was I felt like that was the moment that Anakin finally learned the lesson of like, you don't have to prove yourself. Mm. Now it's in a dark way mm. because it's like, I'm not going to, and, and that, Mike, I think gets to a little bit of the original trilogy stuff of like getting towards that Vader who's like, this is that crap's beneath me. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not going to go. I, I'm on the big picture mission, like right. the Vader who's going to show up at the end of the Scarif battle when like all hell is broken loose. And I love I rewatched Rogue One recently. I love as they're all making the jump. And all of a sudden his Star Destroyer appears and like one of the ships making the jump just busts into it and shatters <laughs> into a million pieces. It's like and then he's just like. All right, what's going on here? Um, <laughs> get me a shuttle, you know. There, so occasionally he still does go in and get his hands dirty, but he's like, I don't have to. Right. Like, I am like, we are the empire. Like, we have done what we've done. And everything else is like, I'm not going to keep obsessing over the one that got away. And so with that in mind, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, they know. They know about bail. Um, you know, keep some surveillance on them, but they got like, who cares? You know, like what's yeah. what's Obi Wan and Bale? What what are they going to do? If they do anything, we'll swat them down. Right. Next time, I won't let the ship with the younglings. You know, the get away. You know, just <laughs> I, I think that was that worked for me. You know. Yeah. And that's why maybe when he's on the Death Star, like you get the impression he hasn't even given Obi Wan another thought. You know, he's just like a offhand, like I sense something. It's it's like this, like almost like when you get a smell or something like what, what is that you know <laughs> but he's not like where's obi-wan where's obi-wan where's obi-wan it's this different like that's true oh yeah a presence yeah. i've not felt since oh yeah no yeah i'm still a little like presence i've not felt since nine years ago not 19 but well that's okay nine, yeah. hey, nine, nine years, years ago that's, that's a bit of time yeah. <laughs> a lot changed that was the, when i had to remake my suit for the fourth <laughs> right <time. Yeah. laughs> It's like I now, I, now I have a mask that goes the whole way over my head and a helmet, not just one helmet, because well, yeah, I need more protection under there. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> and, and he's and he's much more clear. Um, mm-hmm. He's just waiting for Obi-Wan. He knows Obi-Wan's not going to try to escape. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, the whole thing. I mean, because Vader planned on them escaping, too. It's like, you know, Obi-Wan was trying to be the distraction and Vader's yeah. like, sure. <laughs> we, well, he we're going to follow like, him. He almost has like more of a respect. I mean, again, it's twisted. It's evil. But he almost has more of like a, you know, agree to disagree type respect for the force. Like, because when Tarkin's so dismissive, like, oh, surely he must be dead. And he's like, don't underestimate the force. Like, there's this like, mm. like he, right. it's like he respects the light side a little bit more. There's this. Yeah, it's a much more refined villain. Yeah, that's all. I mean, yeah, this this episode really helped to kind of tie all those things up. And, you know, one of the things that we were all sort of waiting for throughout this whole thing was Qui-Gon. Yes. <laughs> and we finally got Qui-Gon at the end. 
Um, and I just loved it. It was a very Jesus moment for me. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. <laughs> I, I thought it was a really Liam moment. <laughs> like, just the, I was the sure. attitude. When there was only one set of footprints, I was carrying you. Over. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I just love it. He just he's looking like he doesn't care. He's just like, oh, I've took you long enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I thought we agreed to oh. meet by these rocks. Where were you? <laughs> well, my wife and I, we were laughing because he looked, he looked good, but you can definitely tell like, you sure. know, Liam Eason's, he's 70, you know, he's, <laughs> but I was thinking, I was like, well, wait a minute. Technically, Obi-Wan in canon is, is more or less the age, Obi or, um, I'm sorry, Obi-Wan is more or less the age that Qui-Gon was when he died. And I'm like, why does Qui-Gon's Force Ghost look older? <laughs> was like, you age in the same. No, I thought it was good, but, but that was something we, we looked at it. It was kind of cool because I think it's pretty close to the same amount of time has passed since they filmed Phantom Menace to now mm. as would have passed within the timeline from when Qui-Gon died until this moment of the story. So I thought that was just really kind of some neat continuity that worked out. Yeah, that is cool. It was similar with uh, 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 Mark Hamill being the same age as Alec mm-hmm. Guinness when he filmed yeah. his last scenes for yeah. uh, The Last Jedi. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys think that he teaches him for the next nine years? That's what I kept wondering. I was like, well, oh my gosh. Like, Well, how to be a horse ghost. <laughs> you know, how to trim right. a really nice English beard. Um, yes. <laughs> You know, yeah. How do and it? maybe preparing him for what, you know, with Luke, you know, and what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. you, you're, you know, be patience. You know, it, it'll, it'll come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't act like you know R2-D2 right away. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> be real coy about that one, you know. And uh, you know, even though r is like, hey, Obi-Wan, you know, just pretend you don't understand him. That's like, by the way, one of my, I think the biggest and most undiscussed, because it really doesn't matter, but plot holes in all of Star Wars, is how Bur- how Owen doesn't recognize 3PO when he buys the droid that was on the farm he lived at <laughs> for years. He tried not to, well, yeah. Right. Yeah, he doesn't what, want what to remember the bases? Do you remember uh, who built you? Yeah. The moment 3PO starts talking, Owen's like, you? <laughs> You're back? Like, oh. Oh, Certainly, no. Sarah. Like, oh, <laughs> you guys have another one of these things? No. <laughs> oh, uh, man. And, and uh, we were talking about the holster that Leia got. Um, oh, yeah. And, and yeah. What, what, what better, uh, I don't know, Star Wars type uh, gift of hope <laughs> than an empty holster? <laughs> you know, like, Does she, I, I didn't look into it. Is that a holster that is one of these things where they like, like, like Han's dice or something where they, they it was a little detail that they put in? I, I didn't. Look, like, is that a holster she has in like Empire or Return so of the Jedi? She, she doesn't have never, a holster in New she Hope. She has nothing but a but a black thin belt around okay. her her L. Okay. You know, her, yeah. Her, what about her, on um? Well, Return of the Jedi when that's where she's more geared up. But that's right. more yeah. like so, rebel I, gear. I'd have to yeah. look at it. She has an Empire. She has more like field type gear. But I don't know if she's. I can't remember if she's a holster. I'll go back and Empire. It's look. the snowsuit for a while. And right. Then she dresses yeah. in the gown and goes back to the snowsuit. Right. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, she's too. really all over the place. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the things for why Ewok, why we know Ewoks eat people is they had this uh, outfit for a human oh, already right. for her. Yeah. Um, in Return of the Jedi, like, yeah, this, this is someone we ate recently. That, uh, <laughs> looks your size. Try this on. Um, but yeah, I think the holster might have been just a childhood thing because she put uh, her droid in it. Yeah, it was it was a cool thing that you know she had that little exchange with Bale. Like, well, you said there were many ways to lead. So it mm-hmm. was really like for us, it was seeing Leia's sort of like a, a concrete 
um, expression of her journey through this whole series and how she um, she realized that, yeah, being sassy is one way to get people to pay attention to you. But then also just being that quiet leader, you know, and being sacrificial the way that Obi-Wan was um, and Tala was as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just kind of maybe something that that sort of is something that that stays with her as she grows up and we'll see, we'll have to go back and check the movies and kind of, that's the one thing that I didn't look into was, does she have that holster? But I wouldn't be surprised. She has one in return of the Jedi. Of course, you know, if you you have to be careful because if you type Leia return of the Jedi, you mostly get the, the outfit from Jabba's barge, but Endor would probably be better search terms for. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. She has that return of the Jedi like blaster that, that, yeah. But that would be, Neat if that's what they're going for there, but yeah. that's cool. All right. Well, any other reflections? Anything we missed? I think we covered all I my think, notes. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm just excited for, uh, you know, um, there's of course nothing but speculation at this point, but like we, we do know that Hayden is, you know, officially casted for the Ahsoka series. So now mm-hmm. the question is like, will they finally make that? seemingly it's been explained but that kind of like i don't know how i feel about replacing sebastian shaw with hayden at the end of return of the jedi as a force ghost thing well okay well now if he can show up as a force ghost i'm cool with it so um yeah we'll see i mean personally i think that would be cooler i would want to see that more than like flashbacks you know i'd like to see both but like in, in ahsoka if we're trying to drive that story forward and connect it to rebels um and we've already seen this you know, little hint at this connection between Ahsoka and Luke that's been developing. We don't know anything about it. I just think it's, it's, there's so much cool territory here for this, you know, like this redeemed Vader's ongoing, you know, contribution to the fight, you know, rather than just like, I threw the Emperor down a hole and now I'm a force ghost. Great. But I'd like to see some more with that. I think it'd be really a neat territory to explore almost not like a purgatory thing. Exactly. Cause this is like, he's, saved already it mm-hmm. seems you know, and it's not exactly the analogy but um that's just something i think would be really i, I think it would cool be cool if see. he could he continues being her master he's like yeah back. Mm-hmm. And, sh- and just like right. obi-wan got training from qui-gon as exactly you could go back to that that would be really cool as long as they de-age uh hayden a little bit better <laughs> a little bit yeah well, yeah the i mean i suppose he could blue be type <laughs> yeah, thing. yeah i don't know if it's yeah. really as noticeable. i mean it was great that they had him i don't know if <laughs> yeah. they had a really great uh bald cap and get him the short hair back with his <laughs> little tail and everything but he's he's just he's be, he's close enough to 50 to just not be quite i was he's 40 he's gotta be 40 something mm-hmm. well wait a minute because he well yeah because I was, I was gonna say that what's interesting is vader when vader dies i believe in, in canon he's like in his mid 40s mm-hmm and Hayden's like 41 but i was but his force ghost as lucas said is this this projection of him when he was at the height of his sort of, you know, goodness, goodness in his early twenties. So no, they got they got to de-age him a tad, I think. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, there is so much to look forward to. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll, I don't know if we'll have a season two. I don't think we'll have a season two of this, but there is speculation yeah. out there that that is possible. I don't know mm-hmm. if they would do a whole season of Obi-Wan learning force things. <laughs> would have to be more Inquisitors and Darth yeah. Maul. Yeah, yeah. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yep. Uh, 
Um, so we want to hear from you all out there. Tell us what you think about the finale, about Kenobi, about what's coming up in Star Wars. Email us your thoughts at starwars at sqpn.com. Um, just like Jonathan did recently. Thank you, Jonathan, for your awesome email as well. Telling, telling us about your family's adventure at uh, Galaxy's Edge. Very cool. Um, also, uh, if you all want to comment on our Facebook page, you can do so at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. We are super grateful for a few people. Uh, Chris D, Adam B, Mark B, Nellie B, and Lynn Z, um, who are all uh, patrons. They are people that keep our podcast alive. And if you want to join them and support Secrets of Star Wars and all of our great shows, go to sqpn.com slash give. All right. Well, uh, we also, um, I, I have some great news. We have at least one new listener, Bill, because I told him about Secrets of Star Wars. So if you have any <laughs> friends interested in Star Wars or themes of philosophy, faith, storytelling, mythology, cool stuff, um, tell them about the podcast, share the show on social media. And if you haven't already, please review the podcast, give us a good rating and let us know how we're doing and your few seconds of time will help Secrets of Star Wars get seen by more people who'd be interested in listening. So thank you for doing so. And finally, you can represent Secrets of Star Wars by getting yourself a piece of awesome merch like a shirt, a journal, stickers, phone case, and much more. Go to sqpn.com slash merch. Well, we will be back in a couple weeks to dive back into so much of the Secrets of Star Wars. Getting ready for all the great stuff coming up. We'll also have a very cool interview coming up in a few weeks as well. So um, until next time, Mike Creepy, thank you for joining us and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. It's my pleasure. And thank you, Mike Dents, as well for joining us. Very welcome. And once again, I am the one in the middle, Angela Ciolana the Bendu. Thanks for listening to the secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>